Hallelujah. I want us to pray for uh, our president. Uh, he needs a lot of prayer. Uh, we've had a, every president needs prayer. The Bible says to pray for them all. If Hillary Clinton had become president, we were charged to pray for her. Uh, and not pray like uh, some people would pray. But intercede and pray that she will know the Lord. That she will sense the Lord. Doug sent me a, a, a clip from uh, wherever he got it. Uh, of uh, uh, Mr. Trump asking for prayer. Uh, and we, we, someone asked me, how do we pray for whoever is president? And I said, when they step into the Oval Office that they will sense the responsibility they have, not just to their party and their constituents, but they will sense their responsibility to God for how they lead this nation. That they will be overwhelmed when they're sitting alone in that office, away from all of the other influences, that the presence of God will cause them to tremble at the thought of answering to God for the decisions and the leadership that they make. Because if that occurs and they begin to pray for God's direction, then we will see something in this nation that we have not seen in a long, long, long time. So I believe spiritual forces are at work and things are occurring. And I don't talk a lot about politics because if you, you can get off-centered and if you're uh, if you're not cross-centered, you're off-centered, regardless of what pulled you away from it. But today I want you to pray for something. It, because in the British papers, I read excerpts from the, the uh, British papers, London and surrounding areas. I read from CNN and MSNBC and Fox News. So this is not just a conservative thing. This is something being reported not just nationally, but internationally. It is that witches are calling for witches around the world to begin to pray for Trump to be removed from office, that he not fulfill his term. Now, when something upsets the... And, and you know, we got Wicca, which is supposed to be kind of the nature-worshipping bunch, but uh, when, you, when, you, when you allow yourself to be called witch... Uh, then you you got some issues. There's some spiritual... It's amazing that a lot of people are applauding this that claim to be atheists. It's amazing people don't believe there is a God. There's nothing beyond the human realm or the scientific realm are applauding people praying for something out there <laughs> to, to do damage to the president. And uh, so I'll just read this. It said uh, in, in this particular... Uh, for form it uh, said the forms of protest originating with liberals who have not accepted the election results simply get weirder and weirder witches across the country gathered together at midnight on friday that's this friday to cast a spell on donald trump seeking to remove him from office the witches have pledged to cast a spell under each crescent moon until Trump is no longer president. The next few crescent moons are said to take place March 26th, April 24th, and May the 23rd. So globally, now this is in the British papers, this is in the Australian paper, 
This is an international movement. And you know something? Sometimes, sometimes in the Christian faith, we, we, we don't acknowledge this spiritual warfare element. Uh, I don't want us to dwell on the enemy, but I want, you know, over on that side, uh, people are out of the closet. They're, they're outspoken. They're aggressive. A man was sitting on a plane, and they were serving. And this is a preacher sitting on a plane. He's sitting by a well, well-dressed, intelligent-looking gentleman. And they were serving the, uh, the food on the plane. It was a long trip coming from Europe back to the United States. And it's a businessman, Christian businessman, sitting there, also a pastor. And, and he, he said, this guy refused to eat anything. He just asked for a little bottle of water. It was a long flight. Everyone was eating and eating the snacks that they served you. And he said, are you not hungry? Because he you know, just wanted... No, are you not hungry? He said, we're fasting. We are fasting. He said, and he got really inquisitive. He said, what are you fasting for? He said, well, I belong to a satanic group. And we have been called on to fast and to pray to Satan. That's what satanic groups do. Against the furthering of Christianity. And he said, you know something? I'm going back to a nation of Christians that rarely fast and pray for the furthering of Christianity. They assume that the preacher will win all the souls and, and uh, you know, the evangelist will do the rest and I'll send him $10 and I'm off the hook for my personal witness or any kind of intercession. And he said, you, you can hardly find a church that is praying like that. Many Christians you can because they're so distracted by their own problems. They ain't got time to pray for those kind of things. But here's a man committed to serving Satan, fasting and praying that there will be a satanic forces brought against the furthering of Christianity. Well, you can imagine how you wish you, the plane wasn't full so you could... <laughs> Amen. But I'm sure they had a healthy conversation. I'm sure he didn't win him to Christ. You can't win everybody to the Lord. But I can tell you what we can do. When he tells us to pray, we need to understand that spiritual forces are at work. And if all the witches are praying uh, against a president, who, then we need to pray for that person. It's just that simple. Father, we enter into the arena of prayer today. And we pray for our president. He has personal issues. He has moral issues. He has all kinds of issues, but he is in the office. And somehow with all of those issues, he has become a threat. He's become a threat because Satan only fights what he fears. And he must fear something that's coming. Father, we pray right now that there will be a keeping of this man. There'll be a leading of this man. Lord, we're just going to pray that, that in the salvation of this man, there will be a filling of the Holy Spirit in this man. And that this man will be changed into a leader that could have never even got considered for election. Had he been that man before the election, he would have never got in office.
But Lord, he's in office. And he's not an atheist. And many are praying with him and praying for him. And he's not against the furthering of Christianity. And Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will come into that oval office and let him sense that, that he's not just a rich man pursuing power, more power and recognition and egotism, that he's in a place where he will answer to God. And Lord, let him give a good answer to you. Just like Saul of Tarsus that became Paul the Apostle. No one would have ever dreamed it, but he's a trophy of your grace. He's a trophy of your goodness, of your power to change from the inside out the human heart. And Father, we pray it will occur and it will produce fruit for the glory of God. This nation needs your blessing. We can't keep going in the direction we're going and be blessed of God. We can't sing God bless America with America in the state that it's in. So, Father, we enter into warfare spiritually in the name of Jesus to see your name exalted, to see your church come alive, to see revival fires begin to burn. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, help us to get rid of all those distractions and seek you until you come and rain righteousness on us. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. And Amen. And Amen. The Lord has changed my message and time is flying. So will you turn with me to Psalm 4. Psalm 4. And we will move in this area today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The church is a mighty force if we, if we utilize the weapons that God has given us today. We need, a, we need an attitude. See if you can find this for me. Someone else may want to read it in Psalm 4. He, he, hath, he hath made me glad more than in the time that their corn and wine did increase. He hath made me glad more than in the time that their corn... I believe it's in Psalm 4. But I'm not going to take the time to look it up when y'all got your electronic devices right there in your hand. Just start reading down and see if you find that verse of Scripture. If it's not in Psalm 4, we'll look it up later. Well, let's just... You got it. You win. John Psalm 4... Verse 7, God's perfect number. Amen. Why am I not surprised? Would you like to read that to us, please? Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increase. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. Now, when in an agriculturally driven culture and society... When the corn and wine increased, that means they were, they were living high on the hog. Can I put it in plain language today? Amen. They were living in the, in the blessing of the prosperity. And he said, when they, he's talking about people outside the kingdom, outside the covenant. When they get blessed, they show it. Amen. Amen. When they get blessed, number one, they know it. And when they know it. Because they got, the, they got the evidence of the blessing. They show it. Come on, when the world gets materially blessed, they don't mope around. Have ever, anybody ever watched a, 
what, what's the show where they say, come on down? Oh, man, y'all carnaling out on me. Y'all got all this. I can trust my crowd. Amen. I don't watch no TV. I don't know what you're talking about. I spend all my time in prayer. The price is right. The price is right. And there's people sitting in the audience, and I read about this. How do you get picked? Well, they wear these outlandish things on let's make a deal. Somebody dressed up like a dinosaur. Uh, not dinosaur, dinosaur. Can you say amen? <laughs> and so, so but they, they, you know, you know, they pan the audience. They want to find somebody that's enthusiastic. They do not want a contestant to come on down like this. You want to try to win a car? Yeah, I guess so. And if they win the car, they they don't want them to say, you won the car, and everybody's going crazy, and the person, oh, that's very nice, thank you very much. No, 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 no. They are looking for somebody who is enthusiastic. Amen. And when they win something, they grab the host who they don't know and they give him a big smooch. Men and women nowadays, amen. They give him a big smooch. And remember, let's make a deal. You come down, you want box door number one, number two, number three, and they open the door and there's a lady there and she's excited and they open the door and it's a Maytag washer and dryer. A Maytag washer and dryer. It's not the new car. But it's a brand new Maytag washer and dryer. Amen. It's not one of those goofy gifts that they, you know, it's something you could actually use and take home, have delivered. And and she goes, "Wow!" And nobody in the audience says, sit down. Why are you so emotional? I don't like that emotionalism. Honey, if you win something big and you don't have gladness for what... Amen. You don't deserve it. Give it to somebody that will appreciate it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what it said? He, he has made me glad. He has put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. We ought to be representative of a kingdom that is blessed beyond anything that we could... Not before the material... See, they're doing it over the material. We have something way beyond the material. How can we compare what they are rejoicing over with what we have? And, and the Bible said, don't forget to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. How, how consistently? Always. And then he reiterated it. And again I say, rejoice. We ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. What gift materially can compare with eternal life? What gift materially can compare with having every sin that you've ever committed forgiven and have the past erased as if it's never occurred? And knowing that God is with you every step of your life. Praise God. How we, oh yes, circumstances come, but it's all temporal. And the scripture said, while we look not at the things, 
at her seam. Why? Because it's temporal. Everything you look at is passing away. Oh, don't just look at me because I'm 70 and say, yeah, I can see that. Amen. Look in the mirror. You say, but I'm 25. Well, I hate to burst your bubble. You're aging. You know why you're aging? Because you're passing away. There's an actual tombstone in New England. You know what it says? And boy, it makes you stop and think. And They did the whole thing of tombstones and some of the strange things they say. One of them said, I, I want, I, 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 it, was, it was a guy, his name, his name was Odd. His last name was O-D-D. And all his life, from grade school up, people, you know, they, 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 they just made fun of his name. So he said, when I die, I do not want my name on the tombstone. I want my birth date. I want my death date. My family will know who I am. That coming, nobody else, it won't matter. So uh, there was a family looking for their family from out of state, where they're buried. They walked up to a tombstone, and it said, Born so-and-so, you see it coming, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you way ahead of me. <laughs> Amen. They see a tombstone with a birth date and date of death and no name. And they said, that's odd. Can you say amen? <laughs> so sometimes you just can't escape that. I don't know where else I was going. I just got caught up on odd because he has put gladness in my heart. More than in the time when their, when their corn and their wine did increase. The, make no mistake about it, the world knows how to celebrate. They know how to rejoice. They're rejoicing and celebrating a lot of times sinful things, but they know how to do it. It's the church that seems to be in the rut. Can you say amen? It's the church that has that lack of enthusiasm, that lack of excitement, that lack of holy anticipation of good in the midst of all the troubles of the world. Oh, my wife and I on the way in this morning thanking God just because we know Him, just because we know He's with us, looking back over our life and all the things that came against us and to know where we are right now and to know our faith is intact. Our marriage is still... It's a good marriage. It's, we're in love. Let's put it that way. We're still in love. We're getting ready to celebrate 54 years. And, and I'm just so grateful because we've had a lot of things that could have got in and become a wedge. But the Lord is still on the throne. And there's victory in Jesus. I am not Prince Charming. I know, I know, I know that this comes as a shock to all of you. I do not have a white steed. Not even an Escalade. Can you say, man? Our home is not similar to the castle in Disney World. I didn't sweep her up on my white Escalade and drive her to my, you know, to my castle <laughs> full of servants. Our honeymoon was spent in, a, in an eight by 29 foot old trailer with no bathroom facilities in it 
It was exotic. I'll say that for you. Can you say, man, if you go on honeymoon in a place like that, you have been somewhere where few people ever go. <laughs> what a unique experience that was when Pamela started opening those doors in that little mobile home, that old, you know, it, it wasn't the pretty ones. It was the old little bitty things and, and camper type almost size. And you open a door and you'd see this little area. And, and I said, honey, what are you looking for? Because my uncle's trailer, he loaned us for our honeymoon. And I said, what are you looking for? She said, the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, there's a point where, you know, even on the honeymoon, you've got to stop and deal with more important issues. <laughs> and I pointed, I think I gave her a flashlight and pointed out to the back of the mobile home where there was an outhouse. Oh, my Lord, between the roaches and the spiders and all the things that get in those places. Anyway, yes, it was, it was and we're still together. That's because she didn't marry me for my money. <laughs> Amen. It takes love to hang in there when you when you when you're that poor. Amen. But God has been good to us. And listen to what he said. He put gladness. He put gladness. He put gladness. He put gladness. It's the only acceptable way to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness all ye lands. God is looking for cheerful people. God is looking for people that are excited about doing something for Him. God is looking for people that it's a joy to serve Him and not a job. Amen? A job will wear you down and wear you out. He's looking for people that prayer is not a job and a responsibility. It's a joy and a privilege. Amen? And when we take, take it and turn it into a religious duty, there's no joy in it. But it's when, when it's a relationship. It changes everything. We want to talk to Him. We want to spend some time in His presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and the reason that He puts gladness in our heart, how He does it, is to give us hope. It's to give us hope. It's to give us hope because biblically defined, hope is the glad anticipation of future good. In other words, gladness arrives before the good comes because hope sees it coming. Hope sees it coming. And it stimulates faith. If you don't have hope, you will never use your faith. For faith is the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. And it begins with hope. Hope doesn't have to see it. But hope knows it's coming. Can you say amen? So when hope is given to you, gladness comes in your heart. Can't be no gladness if you ain't got no hope. And we're to be a people that are prisoners of hope. Everybody say the glad anticipation of future good. When bad things are happening, good is coming. How do you know? Because He is able to make all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. 
He'll put gladness in your heart just as soon as He can develop hope within you. The glad. Say it with me. It starts with gladness. The glad anticipation of future good. If I didn't have that right now, I would retire. I would say, Lord, I have served you faithfully for 43 years and counting. I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to brag on God. I haven't called in because I was depressed in 43 years. That's a lot of Sundays. I've went through some heavy stuff. I've had some weeks that were awful. And I didn't feel like coming to church. You heard the story about the wife that got up. Said, honey, get up and get ready. We're going to be late for church. He said, I don't feel good today. I don't feel like going to church. She said, but honey... We're all getting ready. The children are already ready. I'm almost ready. We're waiting on you. Now, come on. Get up. Let's go to church. He said, well, I don't feel like going. And besides that, the people down at that church don't like me anyway. She said, well, we're not there to be liked. We're there to worship God. So come on. Get your pants on. Get your shoes on. Let's go to church. He said, but I don't really want to go to church. She said, but honey, you're the pastor. And they're expecting you. (laughs) You got a daddy that preaches, you know. How do you do that? How do you get up and go? I've never come that God didn't lift me up. I've never come that God didn't meet with me. I've never come that God didn't bless me. Did I always feel like it? No. If you let your flesh rule you and your emotions rule you, He can't. If you give up hope of future good in the midst of that problem, He can't give you a glad heart. It starts with hope. It doesn't start with gladness. It starts with hope because biblically defined hope is the what? The glad anticipation of future good. The moment you anticipate something good coming, gladness arrives in your heart. Serve the Lord with gladness. All your lands come before His presence with singing. He hath made me glad is the song we sing based on Psalm 4. He put gladness in my heart because He's the God of hope. And as long as I have hope, I can be glad. Hallelujah. I can serve Him with a, with a willing heart and a joyful heart. Hallelujah. And I don't have to look like serving God is some heavy weight and burden. Jesus spoke these words to people that their religion had become a burdensome thing. I want you to understand it is not the world initially, the context of this scripture. It was the Jewish religion and what it had denigrated into. It was an exacting religion. There was no love in it for God or for people. They'd walk by you if you were a Gentile. If thieves had fell on you and you were bleeding and dying... They wouldn't touch you. 
because you were unclean to them. They didn't recognize God in the flesh when He came. And Jesus said, if you knew my Father, you would have known me because I came out from Him. You claim to be the most knowledgeable about, about God, and you don't recognize God when He shows up in flesh because you don't know God spiritually. All you know is your religious system. And it was a dead religious system. So dead, he said, you can pass land and sea to make one proselyte, one conversion to your faith, amen, and to your religion. And when you do, you make him twice the child of hell as you are. You're lost. They're lost. This whole religion has no power to save. It has no love in it anymore. And it's all in the name of Jehovah. Amen. And who, who warned him on the cross more than Pilate? Who wanted Barabbas rather than? It was the priest of that day and the people of that. It was religious people that wanted Jesus on the cross. So don't blame just the devil in the world. Blame a dead church. Because the devil can work through a dead church just like he can work through an atheist. Amen? Dead religion is a threat to the gospel. Amen. That's right. Dead preachers that get in it for the money and don't care about souls, they don't weep one tear over the lost. Jesus looked at those people under that heavy, heavy, heavy weight, yoke. And burden. And he said, Ho, ye that labor, it's a job, it's not a joy, it's a responsibility, it's not a relationship. You that labor and are heavy laden, how can you tell those people? How can you tell when you're bone tired? When your religion makes you bone tired instead of giving you joy for your strength, something's wrong with your religion. Because something is desperately wrong with your relationship with God. Hallelujah. And I look, somebody said you can tell Christians back in, back in the Puritan days and turn of the century, they got long hair. They got long sleeves. They got long dresses. But they coordinate because they got long faces. Can you say man? Can you say man? Can you say man? Come on, how can you tell some of these people coming out of church? I went to a cleaner's. And they didn't know I was a preacher at first. They finally found out because the suits come in and, and uh, it had, uh, you know, it had, you could smell my, y'all keep me, you keep me stocked with one of the colognes y'all got me for our anniversary. It's called Guilty. And when I put on that Guilty, I feel guilty for smelling so good. Y'all are new. I got you. I want to tell you my story because they've heard it a hundred times. I was standing in line at a Circle K with that good cologne on. There's a young, young, young black man, about six foot tall, looked really nice, except he was wearing too much mascara, and uh, he he was standing behind me, and 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 he, we were walking to get up to the lady. I got up to the lady. You know, you can put on that good good cologne. And you don't smell it anymore. But boy, everybody else can smell it. And the lady at the Circle K said, Excuse me, sir. 
what is that cologne that you were wearing? Pamela was, you know, getting, getting us big gulps, and, and we're wearing. What is that cologne you were wearing? S- smells so good. And I was trying to remember, because y'all get me two or three at a time, and I didn't, and I couldn't for the life of me remember the name of that cologne. Young man behind me looked over my shoulder, said he's wearing some of that come and get me cologne. <laughs> you know, we might could, we might could uh, get a patent on that. <laughs> it might say, yeah, come and get me. And I looked at, I did, I thought in my heart, I thought, Pamela, come and get me. <laughs> I need rescuing right here and right now. I'm going to find out what it is and put it back on the shelf. Can you say amen before somebody comes after me? That's good cologne, amen? A lot better than old spouse, right? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. That's what Jesus was talking about. Serve the Lord with gladness. You that labored or heavy laden, you got it mixed up. You got it messed up. It's not supposed to be like that. The, the, the zeal of the Lord is eating me up. Jesus talked about the zeal of the Lord. I have meat that you know not of. My meat, what is turning me on, strengthening me and making me go on, is doing the will of my Father. Hallelujah. You don't know nothing about true religion. You don't know nothing about a relationship with a God that loves you like He loves you. Hallelujah. How? You that labor and are heavy laden. He's talking to the religionists, not the world that's into drugs and alcohol. He's talking to people trying to know and follow God and it becomes a heavy weight. You labor at it. You're heavy laden with your responsibilities of your religion. It's a job. There's no joy in it. I see people get over in the wrong spiritual realm. More conscious of demons and devils than angels and God. Look at their face sometime. Take a good look at their face. They're so serious they can't laugh. Because a demon might be right under this bench. And it might jump on them before they leave church. Can you say amen? And if you've got that attitude, it just might jump on you if it's in here. Amen. Because you put out, you didn't put out the unwelcome mat. You rejoice in the Lord. You just put out an unwelcome mat. You sing His high praises. You put out, if, listen, if praise makes the devil nervous, we ought to give him a nervous breakdown. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Ho, you that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. Take, see, this is the commitment made out of love for Him. A reciprocal love, loving Him back for loving us. Take my yoke on you. For my yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you will find rest for your soul in your religion and your relationship with the true and living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't win a gainsaying world with all of your bad attitudes. I went to, I went to the cleaners and uh, 
we made a, a fast friend. This lady's aging with us. She's, she's known us from 21 years ago when we moved to Plant City. We started going to this particular cleaners, and she smelled the cologne on my clothes and, and, uh, and my, I guess my demeanor. She said, you're a minister, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. And she said, aren't ministers supposed to be kind? And all these other, all these other uh, employees, I saw them, they want to hear the answer. They, they're interested. I said, if we represent our Lord the way we're supposed to, we don't always. But if we represent our Lord, we're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be patient. She's shaking her head. She said, and see, there's a fruit of the Spirit called kindness. That some of us act like it don't matter. That don't really matter. Waiter doesn't fill our water and we're unkind. It's a product of the Holy Spirit. And you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's the reproduction of the character of Christ in you and in me. And we put faith way above kindness. We put it above joy. We put it above peace. And the thing that makes the world so that attracts the world and makes us attractive to the world and God attractive to the world is our joy and our peace and our love and our kindness. We would go through the drive-thru. Anyway, aren't aren't they supposed to be kind? I said, yes. She said, well, there's a minister that comes in here and said, when we see him coming, we all try to hide in the back. Nobody wants to wait on him. I thought, well, that's very sad. That's very sad. And it made me aware that people are either turned off or they're turned on by the fruit of the Spirit. It's not our bumper stickers that they're reading. It's us. It's us. Little girl said, Lord, make all the bad people good. It was her prayer. Lord, make all the bad people good and all the good people kind. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But when you're upset and impatient, we used to go through a drive-thru and... We were kind to them. We treated people serving us with respect. We didn't speak in a condescending way to anybody. And we got our ice cream there. And they would fill it so full. They would stack it so high when we went in. It would fall over in your lap. I had to tell them, don't stack it that high. They wanted to bless us. They were attracted to somebody that didn't treat them like dirt and holler at them all day. It's attractive. We're supposed to be living epistles written and read of all men. They're not going to look at your track. They're going to look at you. They're going to look beyond all of that. So I, I began to... I, I didn't really begin to try to be kind. I, I just... Listen... I don't feel above anybody. You know what I mean? I, I'm a preacher here. I'm a pastor. Let me clarify something to you. This is not the temple. 
You're the temple. This is not, this is not the temple. This should be regarded as it is, but there's no sacrificial system. It's done. The veil is rent. I am not a priest offering sacrifices. You don't have to bring your goats in here. Can you say amen? Please do not. If you're bound and determined to stay in that system, tie your goat outside until the church is over. Because he stinketh. I'm serious. You've got to make up your mind which covenant you're going to live under. Oh, by the way, your kids that are disobedient, and they stay disobedient, and they keep being disobedient, we're not going to stone them to death either. You can't make this the Old Testament temple. Some people would like to. And you know, look at their face. Look at their life. Find me some peace somewhere. Find me some joy. That's a heavy laden thing. You break the Sabbath, you be put to death. Come on. You don't want to go back there. Believe me. Come on. You do not want to go back there. Take my yoke, take my yoke, take my yoke. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you would believe what? Another gospel which is not another, but some have perverted the good news of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But I find Christians all the time trying to pull from the old covenant and push it into the new. And get back under the yoke. Bewitched? Isn't that an amazing thing? The perverting of the gospel comes from a source. The devil trying to turn something so great, gracious, and good into something so bitter and so awful that it doesn't even attract the world. Because they have more joy in the material than we have in the spiritual. He hath made, put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. And look at the average. Thank everybody, look at somebody and say, thank God we're above average. Now repent for your pride. <laughs> the average congregation the average congregation does not go joyfully bounding from church into a depressed oppressed world and say boy you need what I've got the average congregation goes out into this world as oppressed and depressed as it is Living as if God doesn't exist without, the world is without hope because they are without God. We have the promise of His presence every step of the way, no matter what comes. When you go through the fire, it won't kindle on you because I'm with you. When you go through the waters, they will not drown you because I'm with you. We ought to begin to serve Him. Hallelujah. With gladness of heart. You wonder why forfeited blessings come. Deuteronomy 28, if you keep reading down, and we're not going to read all the way, and I'm not going to make you find it, but I can assure you it's there. You can read it when you get home. 
If, if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all He commands you this day. By the way, rejoice in the Lord is a command. Amen. It's not a suggestion. It's not a if you feel like it or if you feel like I'm worthy. It has nothing to do with your immediate circumstances. It has everything to do with your life of obedience. Amen. If you're only going to serve God when you feel like it, you'll never be much of a servant of the Lord. He didn't ask you to gauge your circumstance. He didn't ask you to, whether or not you felt like doing something. Is He worthy? If he's wor- is He worthy? Is He worthy of you rejoicing in Him? Has He done enough when He sent His Son? Has Christ done enough when He hung on the cross? Is He worthy of you rejoicing in Him? Amen. If He's worthy, then then don't hold it back because of the way you feel or what you see or what you sense. Just give Him the glory that is due His name. Hallelujah. God is worthy. Jesus is worthy. It's time the church stood up. Hallelujah. And gave up her praises. The God of hope. Fill you with hope. In believing. The God of hope. Fill you with hope. We're not like others. Who have No hope. I look at people wanting to witness to others with a face that looks like 100 miles of bad road. Come on. You know the frowny face Christians. You meet them. Are you saved? You don't look saved. What you got in your ear right there? Is that an earring? Lord have mercy on your soul. Oh, that's going to really attract people. Oh, that's going to get them and bring them in. They're not serving the God with gladness. They're under the yoke of bondage. Be no more entangled. In that yoke that makes your religion a burden. That yoke that makes it something hard and harsh. Be no more entangled in the yoke of bondage. Oh foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you to believe another gospel. Which is not another but somebody's messed with the good news of Jesus. Amen. I've met them. You couldn't be holy enough to please them. There's nothing you can do to get that holy. Nothing. If you have fun, it must be sin. Anything fun must be sin. How could you catch a big fish and have fun without getting in the flesh and enjoying it? Shame on you when you caught that 10-pound bass. He ain't never caught a 10-pound bass. Shame on you for being such a bad fisherman. They'll find something to shame you for. They accused Jesus. Of all people, they had the audacity.
audacity to point their finger at Him. He heals on the Sabbath day. What do they do? Hey, you're breaking the Sabbath. What does he counter it with? A bunch of hypocrites. He said, your ox falls in the ditch. He got to plow your field. What do you do on the Sabbath if he falls in the hole? You pull him out before he dies down there. And now you're upset at me because I heal. And I healed somebody had a right to be healed, which they didn't heal nobody. Can you say, man? Ought not, and ought not this woman? And ought not this woman? Oh, don't get me on that. It'll be another two hours. <laughs> And ought not this woman, you know what ought means? Oh, too. It means God's in covenant with her. Can you say amen? Because she is what? She's not just sick and bowed over with rheumatoid arthritis or scoliosis combined. You know what's wrong with her? You know, listen, she's got a covenant with God. She's in God's house on God's day. And ought not this woman whom Satan hath bound these many years being a daughter of Abraham? Amen. There's a covenant with Abraham if you haven't heard about it. Can you say man? And she's a covenant woman. And part of that covenant is, I will put none of the diseases. When he when Moses came out, covenant people had a covenant with God. I will put none of the diseases that have come on Egypt upon you because I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord thy physician, the Lord that healeth thee, the Lord God of Israel that changes not whatever he was he is and he always will be can you say man hallelujah oh don't clap so loud don't keep me here longer and then you accuse me of preaching too loud and too long people in dead churches can't stand it loud i don't know what they're going to do when they get to heaven Gabriel will have, be, have to issue earplugs to them. David cuts loose on his harp. <laughs> Gabriel cuts loose on his horn. And they're going to be putting in the earplugs. Well, what the dead church has come to. Thou hast a name that liveth, but thou art dead. You that labor and are heavy laden, come to me. Do you understand the context of that? We we just see the sinner out there with all the habits and hang-ups. We don't see the church written in a religious system that takes all the joy out of serving God. But that's what Jesus saw. Because He said, take my yoke. And wasn't it reiterated in Galatians? And be no more entangled in the yoke of bondage. God brought you out of it. Don't go back in it. Don't let nobody put you in it. Come on. Because people will. Some people got themselves on such a high self-righteous standard that they feel like they can straighten you and me out and get us under the yoke of bondage. You better be glad you're in the new covenant. It is not license to sin, but it's grace to overcome and not let sin reign. And part of that is having gladness and joy. One of the great buffers against sin is having a good time in Jesus so you don't have to go out and look for it somewhere else. Come on, I'm serious. My mother married a fella. 
He lost his wife. He was desperately lonely. He was so lonely, she couldn't even go to the beauty shop without him sitting there looking at her. And she, just couldn't, she couldn't breathe. She wasn't a Christian at that time. I led her to the Lord in a nursing home. She's with God now. She asked me. I asked her many times. She refused. But I went in one day in the nursing home, kept interceding for her. She said, Bobby, I think it's about time I got right with God. I said, are you ready to pray? She said, yes, I am. And I became her pastor, not just her son that day. And led her in the sinner's prayer. And she did change after that. My wife can verify. There was a change in a very hardened heart. But that particular husband, who she divorced, because he smothered her, and that's not a reason for divorce, but it's not a, it's not a good marriage if you're smothered in it like that. So anyway... So when she left him, and his wife died, and now his new lady left him, and he's a nice guy. He's a church-going guy. Of course, he goes to a dead church. His denomination was more important than his relationship with God. He could tell you all the creeds of his denomination, but he couldn't tell you anything about Jesus in his personal walk. Yes, Lord have mercy. And I saw him at a mall... Sitting on a bench. I knew my mom had left him and his wife had died. He's 80 years old. That's not very old because Brother Taylor's 79. He'd... <laughs> he don't look a day over 78. I mean, I'm, I no, you look good for your age. I hope I'm looking that good when I get there. I lose about 40 pounds. Get me a good tan, brother. I'll be looking good. <laughs> Cover up some of my wrinkles, Amen. He's sitting there all by himself. He's got, he, he has come to Christ, but he hasn't found the joy of serving Jesus. And he's sitting there, lonesome as he can be, feeling dejected and rejected. And I went and sat down beside him because he was my father-in-law for about six months. And I sat down beside him and put my arm around him. I said, how's it going? He said, not too good. He said, it's not too good. He said, you know something? He said, I'm a Christian. I said, I understand that. He said, but the other day, I w I'd come into Tampa for something. I was going back to Dade City where he had a little cattle, some, raised some cattle. And, and he said, I knew I was going home to an empty house. He said, I went by a bar on the way. I pulled into the parking lot of that bar. And I heard laughter. And I heard music. And he said, I got out of my truck. He said, I walked up to the door and I saw people talking with one another. I saw people smiling. I saw people laughing. And he said, you know, I went to church Sunday. Are you listening? Amen. He said, I didn't see nobody smiling. I didn't see nobody. He said, not one person came over to me and asked me what you just asked me. Now, I know he had the poor old me's and he was whining. I understand that. But here's the principle. Wherever that church was and whatever that church was, nobody was smiling. Nobody was loving. Nobody had any joy. It was a job. You show up at 11 o'clock sharp. You leave at 12 o'clock dull. And he's empty and he's lonely. And he needs...
to serve the Lord with gladness. And he needs to see it demonstrated to know it exists. Because in certain denominational religions, it does not exist. The lack of enthusiasm. The lack of joy. Looking like we've been baptized in pickle juice. Like the lady out in her yard. She's raking leaves. There's, remember, I hate to ask this, but how many were lost before you got saved? Okay. Do you, then do you remember, are you old enough to remember when there was a deposit on beer bottles? Just like there was on Coke bottles. You take it back and you get a deposit. So there was a guy coming down the street, and he saw this lady in her yard, and she had the long hair, long dress, long sleeve, nothing wrong with that, and long face. Now, there's something wrong with that. And she's raking, and he goes by, and he says, Excuse me, ma'am. He was pushing a little cart, and he said, Because he's collecting bottles, you know, to get the deposit on, trying to do something to get up enough money to put $2 worth of gas in his car. He said, Excuse me, ma'am. Do you have any old empty beer bottles in your home? She glared at him. She said, do I look like a woman who would drink beer? Beer? And he said, oh, excuse me, ma'am. Got any old empty vinegar bottles? Don't think for one minute the world don't read us. We're living epistle. We're communicating by our attitude and our actions. You communicate. You just can't have a Bible to hit people with. You've got to communicate Christ. They're looking for Jesus. They're not looking for your, your religion. They wonder if there is a God you can have a relationship with that can begin to make you more like Himself. It's such an evangelistic tool. Creating me a clean heart. Psalm 51. Renewing me a right spirit. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Some people if they got it it's well hid. Can you say man? Where did it go? Why is it not present? It's your strength. And I can tell you right now, you're not holding up too good without it. Because it's the only antidote for the negativism of this old fallen world. Amen. It's the only antidote. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Amen. The eyes of him that is joyful rejoices the heart of others. Can you say amen? Your countenance speaks volumes. Your attitude, your, your patience with someone who says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, we got your order wrong. Let me fix it. Here, let me give you a free drink while you're waiting. For I don't want no free drink. I want my stuff. Oh, by the way, do you know Jesus? <laughs> it don't work, does it? It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not working. But listen to this. Creating me a clean heart. Restore a right spirit in me. 
Take not thy Holy Spirit from me and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then, then, sinners will be converted unto you. Without me saying a word initially. And transgressors will learn thy ways. That's effective personal evangelism. Just because God could clean you up and give you joy. Just so, just because God could clean you up and give you joy. Revive us. I would give you a fist bump, but this is serious. Revive us. Revive us. You said it right. Revive us. Oh, do we need a revival of spiritual joy? Do we need a revival of the gladness of heart? Do we need that hope revived again? That glad anticipation of future good. Even when times are bad and tough, do we need a relationship with God that gives us joy in serving Him and enthusiasm and excitement? Hallelujah. Or do we need the same old dead religion? By the way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's in the context of a restored relationship with God. It's not something that you get on Sunday because the Holy Ghost takes a spiritual cattle prog and zaps you. Amen. It's consistent. It's not something that comes... In little doses here and there. I've seen people shout all over the floor. Like heaven come down and kiss the earth and they got in the middle of the smack. Can you say amen? And next Sunday, seven days later, I've seen them go out this way. And then next Sunday, come in. It makes me want to break into song. Oh, when the saints come dragging in. Oh, when the saints come drag. That's what Jesus found in that heavy, messed up, mixed up religious system that didn't recognize God when He showed up in flesh. Somebody said you've never known joy in your life. Historian Josephus that wrote about this new faith said you've never known joy till you've been to a Christian feast. You think you've seen the world celebrate? You don't know what celebration is. Go to the Feast of Tabernacles. Go to the Feast of Trumpets. See what happens. You've never... Oh, what did they... Oh, I've got to give this to you and we've got to go. Remember when they took them down because of their disobedience and their worshiping false gods and they took them down to Babylon? What was the first thing that happened? What were they so notorious for, for? What's the first thing the Babylonians asked of these covenant people that were now wrong with God? They got down into Babylon. They said, we would hear a song of thee. In other words, you are renowned for your rejoicing and singing. We would hear it. We have heard about your feast. We've heard about your celebrations of Jehovah. You, we've heard how you rejoice in your God. We want to hear it. We've heard about it. We want to hear it for ourselves because someone has said, you've never known joy till you see how they celebrate God. 
because they're wrong with God. They got lost the right spirit, bowed to the wrong God and compromised. They said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I often ask myself, what would have happened if they repented of their sin and sang his song? Would they had to wait so long to get out of Babylon? Or would he have turned it around that day? I believe he would have. Come on, he's got a history of turning things around when repentance is given and praise is offered. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can there be revival? Yes, but you've got to want it. Enough to want to change your attitude. to sympathize. I don't want your sympathy. I want God's promise provided in purpose victory. Can you say amen? I'm not in bad shape. I'm in good shape. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He can't give you gladness unless you can develop hope. The things that were written aforetime, Scripture declares, were written for our learning. That through the patience and comfort of the Scripture, we might have hope. Everybody say the glad anticipation of future good. Once that anticipation of future good arrives... Gladness comes. And that arrives the moment hope is developed. We can't keep living these hopeless lives. Dwelling on the negative things that put us deeper into depression and oppression. If we do, we are refusing the help that God offers. God is throwing you a rope, but you're determined to think about your bad lot in life. Who done you wrong? Remember the country song? Another some. I, I, I didn't know you listened to anything but James Brown. I did not know that. Here come another somebody done me wrong song. Come on, even if you don't drink, you'll order another one. Can you say amen? You start. No wonder you get drunk. You listen to that all night long. My pickup, my pickup truck broke down. My woman done left me and my dog done up and died. Somebody or bit me. Yeah, that's even worse. But somebody done done me wrong. So I'm going to just... As if God didn't exist. As if God couldn't comfort me. If God couldn't help me. If God wouldn't help me. I'm going to dwell on what is upsetting me. What is depressing me. And I look at the people that are falling back under that yoke. Entangled in the yoke of bondage. And I look at their joy and it's gone. I look for their peace. It's non-existent. I look at the furrowed brow, a hundred miles of bad road. I look at their attitude. They find fault with everything and everyone to make them feel better about the awful state that they have let themselves get in. As a Christian, I don't expect the world to do anything about but drink 
and toke up and shoot up. They have nothing else. But we have someone else. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We are not like others who have no hope. So today I'm praying that faith and hope and charity abide. These three, these are the, you've heard of the dynamic duo? This is the triumphant trio. Can you say amen? And hope is in there. Hope is in there. Hope is in there. Hope is in there. And that's why I give you so much word, so much scripture, because that's where hope begins to develop. And when hope is developed, faith is the substance. Come on, hope has to precede it. Faith has no target until hope arrives. And when you live a hopeless life, you can't use your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Because hope doesn't have to see it to start to rejoice in it. Because hope sees Him. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish someone would preach this to me when I'm down sometime. Make me a disc and give it to Pamela. And when Pamela sees my face looking like a hundred miles of bad road, <laughs> she'll pull it out and say, here, I want you to hear this. <laughs> Get some hope. Hey, let me tell you what hope did for Job. Job had every reason to be down. Life hit him as hard as life will ever hit anybody ever. He lost it all. But hope pulled him through and stimulated faith. He lost his children. And it all came in one time. See, sometimes when my face gets that way, it's not when it comes every few months or it's when it comes back to back. The devil stack it up on you. Amen? While a man was telling about his children dying, a man shows up while he's still talking about his children being killed, telling about all his cattle's been stolen. And while he's still talking, another comes and tells him something and, and until it's all gone. And then, because of the stress that's on him, and I read about this in medical journals and things. When stress gets on you, the immune system is compromised. And that's why the boils covered his body. Things come, happen that, that when the immune system is compromised, it allows it to happen. And one of the great stress relievers is joy and gladness. Amen? A lot of you don't need God to supernaturally heal you. You need the joy of Jesus and you'll get better. You don't need a heart transplant. You need a you need a you need a heart filled with joy and gladness. So his wife comes to him and she's fed up with watching him go down, 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 Christian, and just every day is sour because and you understand it. Look at what happened to him. And she comes and she tells him, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? You can hear the devil using her. That's what the devil wanted because God told the devil, said, Have you considered my servant Job? The devil said, Yeah, but you've got a hedge around him. You take that hedge down and we'll see if he still praises you. 
Amen. God said, I got confidence in him. But you know what arrived in his heart? Everybody say the glad anticipation of future good. Right in the middle of the worst of the worst. You want to hear it come? You want to hear it come? What did, how did Job respond? What was God already doing in his heart? Where was he looking? He's looking beyond the circumstances. He's looking beyond the grave. He's looking beyond all those negative words and the accusations of those who said they were his friends. Can you say, man, accusing him? <laughs> he jumped up. He looked at his wife and said, I know that my Redeemer lives. Hope. The glad, gladness is coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, He's going to stand upon the earth in His flesh. And when He stands up, I'm going to stand up with Him in my flesh. This flesh. And though the skin worms eat my body from my bones, when He stands up, I'm going to stand up in my flesh with Him. Woo! And He began to serve the Lord with gladness. The glad anticipation of future good. Not even death and devastation can take away my hope in Him. And when He got it back, He got so glad. And you can't do this unless you get glad. Because if you stay sad, you ain't going to play for your enemies. Because you're going to blame them for how sad you are. The only way you're going to pray for your enemies is if you get glad. Sad people don't pray for the people who made them sad. Believe me, they do not do it. You're going to have to get glad to pray for people who made you sad. But if you get glad, you can pray for people who made you sad because you're not sad anymore. Amen. 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 You know what I'm talking about? You're the reason I'm hurting. I'll pray for you all right. Lord, get him. Get him good. Whoop him good, Lord. Whoop him good. Sad people don't pray for their enemies because their enemies made them sad. Glad people pray for their enemies because they're not sad anymore. Amen. Amen. Can I tell you where David got hope? I got to let you go, but there's so much hope in the Bible. We could just stay all day talking about hope. There's a man who knew what David did. Instead of getting what he deserved, God gave him grace because he repented. But the man didn't forgive him. You're going to find that in life. Amen. Come on, say it again. Amen. Say it loud. Amen. Say it proud. Amen. Now repent of that pride. I got you, Sean. I love you. Amen. Amen. This ain't business as usual. Everybody else is at Golden Corral. You're going to get your turn. There'll be something left. So there's a man, David is the king of Israel, he's back in right standing with God, but there's a man who never forgave him. He's got rocks, he's chunking them at the king. Come on, he's chunking rocks at the king of Israel. He's throwing dust at him, and he's cursing him. And his captain of war walking beside him, and said, I'll shut him up. 
I'll cut his tongue out. I'll cut his head off. That's what he was saying. You're the king. You just, you just give the word. And he won't chunk no more rocks at you. And he won't throw no more dust at you. But David, who had been forgiven such sin, didn't blame his enemies, took full responsibility. He owned his sin, took responsibility, got forgiven and got restored. God had listened to how he listened to his glad anticipation of future good in the middle of all of that mess. You know what he said? Leave him alone. Are you ready for the glad anticipation of future good? Leave him alone. It may be that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. The more he lays it on me, the more God's going to bless me because I got right with God. Amen. He's, God's going to prepare me a table. <laughs> Come on. This is the shepherd king. He prepares me a table. My enemies are all over the place. They just hate it when I pull my chair up to God's table and eat all of the goodness and grace and forgiveness that He's provided for me. They hate to see me doing well. Uh, if you want to get your enemy, live large. Amen. In Jesus, live large. Have joy and peace. They hate it. Devil means it for evil. God means it for good. Who wins if we keep our trust in Him? God wins. Did you get anything out of this message or I have to keep on preaching? I knew you got something out of it. You can't fool me. Hallelujah. I know this is cliche, but if you're happy, notify your face. Amen. It's the only thing people can see. They can't see your heart. They can only see your countenance. And God don't want you to put on one of them pasted on smile. He wants you to have the genuine joy of Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.